everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my friend, Laura George. Hi, Laura. How are you? I am great and so happy to be here today with you, Kathy. Thank oh, you. And I'm so, so, so excited to introduce Laura to everyone here because she's like a superwoman. Um, <laughs> what <laughs> you are, I mean, it's amazing. She is a reverend. She is also a lawyer who she serves as executive director of the Oracle Institute, which you can see in the background of her, her um, screen. And we'll be talking a lot of it. She's also, she does this amazing work there um, because it's an educational facility. It also has um, spiritual trainings, and it's um, also uh, it it also has a legacy of peace. So we're gonna talk about all of those things. And Laura has a new book; she has a trilogy of books. And we, if I don't know how we're gonna do it all in an hour, so we might have to do more than one of these. <laughs> but I am so excited to have. Um, my audience know more about you as a resource and as an icon of what's possible when you really put your mind to it. So, Laura, how did you get started? You were a lawyer. You were just doing your stuff. How did you get inspired to do the Oracle Institute? Well, I was always a weird kid, but we won't go back that far. Um, it was actually 9-11. Oh. My hobby, if you can call religion a hobby, religion was my hobby. And oh. I was passionate about it while I was practicing law. And when 9-11 hit, it was a real wake-up call for me, as it was for so many others. Um, and in very short order, I quit the practice of law, started the Oracle Institute with a group of amazing like-minded souls. At the time, we were in Northern Virginia and realized pretty quickly being up there that we were preaching to the choir. I mean, the D.C. metropolitan area is pretty pluralistic. It's pretty progressive. So we decided to challenge ourselves by moving to what I call the tip of the Bible belt and working with people who have a very different worldview and hopefully uh, opening hearts and broadening minds. So now I'm in Southwest Virginia, still in Virginia. Um, that's the New River you see behind the Peace Pentagon in this picture. For those who don't know, the New River is the oldest river in America. It's the oldest river in the Western Hemisphere and quite possibly the oldest river in the world. So we picked an exquisite and just absolutely sacred site for this project. Okay. So um, did ev did everyone move with you when you moved to a new location? Could everybody go to the new location? No. Yeah. And actually that was challenging as well. I mean, some of our volunteers and board members stuck with us but it was almost like starting over. So oh, we gosh. moved here full time in 2010 and were immediately challenged because the local population was not only Islamophobic, my joke is they were even Buddhophobic. Uh -oh. And I could spend a lot of time on this, but I'll summarize by saying um, there were two lawsuits. So that's why I had to be a lawyer. You know how when you get to a certain age, all of a sudden you look back and your life makes sense. Well, I had those skills in my tool belt 
And um, actually, it might happen a third time. Um, I'm going to talk about that at the end of the presentation I'm going to make. But we really did pick a very challenging mission, which is to bring both an interfaith, but also even more advanced message to the Blue Ridge Bible Belt. And that is that conscious evolution is taking place right now. And that it's time to get in what I call the God game. Oh, that's good. That I like. I like calling everything a play or a game because um, that's a, a new energy. Really, is the this heavy energy and victim energy that's that's going out yes. if, if you allow it out of your story. And this other energy is how can I create with source at a real high level and um, yes. and have and create win-wins because that old energy is all win-lose. It, it's all, it's not only is it patriarchal, which um, <clears throat> I think you and I, I, I was in corporate America. I've had my own business most of my adult life. <clears throat> we were taught how to do it the man's way. We really were. Oh um, yes. And we had our divine feminine aspects were kind of this big. <laughs> and I don't even know if it was divine masculine. It was masculine side was because you had to be a driver because it's all up to you. It's like, I don't care what the circumstances are. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to go for it. Right. So that's so exactly what it was like. Yeah. I got, I got out of law school in the eighties and we literally had to dress like men. Yeah. We had to wear bow ties, you know, long skirts cover the legs. It was really um, an oppressive environment. Um, well, you know, I had a clothing store for um, 16 years that sold those suits and all of that. <laughs> and uh, I be, there's a big IBM facility here so that I we did really well. And it was very fun. I, I mean, even back then, you could still get away. I'm a rebel, I guess. Um, you could still get away with it. I was the first woman in the U.S. to have a men's store like that, a men's and women's store. So it was all menswear companies that made women's wear, that started to make women's wear. So we were dressing you guys. <laughs> well, I was glad to take the pantyhose off. And yeah, when we started the Oracle Institute, I guess because of my legal background, we actually function as a spiritual think tank. We're pretty geeky. So we study, we study the nexus between religion, politics, human rights, and conscious evolution. And yeah, in addition to the school that we run, we have an award-winning publishing house. Right, right. And um, I'd love to talk to you off after this about that because I've been meaning to, because yeah. I love Patricia Bear and and I've been I've I've been at workshops with her here and stuff. I knew her here. So but but okay, so let's Let's talk about the inspiration. You got a memo. Actually, excuse me. We got a memo. We A bunch of you got a memo to say, okay, this is our assignment. We must have chosen it before mm -hmm. we came into physical. But you did it. I mean, what I would love um, if you could give a little insight into that, because um, that's the kind of fortitude that, people are having to have right now a little bit um where where it's like no i'm sticking with it um uh, and how, how could you share a little bit about your insights with that or is that a hard question um i will i will summarize 
the journey by saying, first off, I'm as stubborn as the day is long. Um, have been accused of being uh, completely obsessive when it comes to the mission. But overall, I think when you finally awaken and remember why you've come here, particularly at this critical, critical juncture of human history, you can't close your eyes after that. I mean, once you know, you know. And in my case, um, I just threw myself into it and I've never looked back. I'm glad I couldn't see forward too much because it's been very challenging. But um, there's no doubt that once you reach that level of self-awareness, um, and some people are even fortunate enough to remember prior lives, um, you see why you're here. You know what you're meant to do. You, as using the term again, want to be a conscious player in the God game and no longer want to sit on the sidelines. And that's the state I got to. And there, there, there's been no turning back. Oh, that's Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think once you get the memo and you, you remember it, I think yeah. is what the right word would be that um, that you can pull in all the resources. Things just sort of happen once you say yes. But think of all yeah. the people that get an idea and don't act on it. That's the. But right now we're just the the in my world. I think the veils are if they're if they're even here anymore. They're very thin. And that there's so much potential to open up to op your your true essence, your soul mission, your soul connection, a soul body fusion, the, the whole embodiment. That's what I think the ascension is, is ascending in body instead of having to croak and, and then ascend. What do you think? Well, about I'll, let me add... Um... Uh -huh. Pretty pretty unpopular message, but this is what the evolutionary leaders are all talking about behind the scenes. Okay, the new age the new age movement was asking nothing of people. Oh. Um, it gave people permission to focus solely on their own journey, which of course is an important stage of the awakening process. However, um, and this however is important, new age narcissism reigned for a long time, oh. and it really is appropriate at this juncture, whether you're still an initiate or you're a light master, it's time to be activated. And the reason most people can't manifest is because they, they're not fully aligned. Um, manifestation is an art. It's a science. And dare I say it, it's magic. And that's what this last book I just wrote is about, The Light and the New Human. For those who are ready for a deeper dive and who realize that the new age movement has hit a wall. Um, we're really trying to get people to the next level with their spirituality. Well, well what is so interesting is that I, I was having this conversation yesterday with a client in Hawaii. And um, when we talk about trends, it's like, there's, there's this, I don't, I don't know really what woke people mean, but, um, there, there's, <laughs> and that, I think that's what you're referring to. It, it's like a, a style, just like um, in the 60s, wearing tie-dye was a style. And, and you thought you were saying something about yourself by carrying that. There's language that became a style 
that is not necessarily indicative of your uh, capacity to be kind or loving to everything around you, to see the other as self. Um, there, there's a lot of still um, um, figuring out, and I, and I'm doing that too. I can't say that I'm fully. <laughs> Uh, it's a journey, that's for sure. But well, but but I see what you're saying about being in group and um, coming together as a unified team for a divine purpose. That I feel a calling. Uh, I think a lot of us feel a calling for that as well. Well, it's a loud calling, and actually, <laughs> I'd love to do the presentation now because that's okay. the title of the presentation, oh, which is. Calling Team Light. Why don't we okay. jump in? I'm okay, do so let me do that. I'm going to um, remove myself so you can just tell me, okay? Okay. Okay, great. So as we mentioned, I just recently finished the third book in the Oracle Trilogy. And just very quickly, let me tell you, the truth is about our past religious history and the unholy nexus um, between politics and religion over time. And it's also about the first four spiritual paradigms that humanity created. The love is about our present status um, and the collective uncertainty about the future of the Godhead. And because there's no unifying theosophy on the horizon, we say, let's just get back to the basics, the, the religion of love. So the light is the most challenging of the three books. And it's about our collective future and how we can birth the next paradigm. And the only way to do that is going to be by assimilating all the data available to us from the wisdom traditions, philosophy, sociology, and science. So um, let's go ahead and dig in, dig in. We do want to rally Team Light if we want to co-create this future. And we're going to be dealing with duality today. So I want everyone to get used to the fact that I'm going to use the terms Team Light and Team Dark. All right, and we're gonna define those terms later. So in this slide, what we're showing is the paradigms humanity has crafted. These are man-made paradigms, except possibly the first. This is our period of primordial unity. Um, and we do wanna take this macro view to start because I wanna impress upon everyone that evolution is a very slow process. I also wanna impress upon everyone that consciousness is now evolving exponentially. So you're going to see that these paradigms are quickening. So back to the first paradigm, this was the period of primordial unity. And depending on your belief system, um, the duality, the later duality can be attributed to the Big Bang, Lucifer's rebellion, or again, just our tedious ascent of the spectrum of consciousness. But regardless, the earth plane became dualistic eons ago. In the second paradigm, our early ancestors worshiped the Great Mother. Though cultures were an admix of matriarchal, egalitarian, and patriarchal traditions, such as the Kogi people who visited um, our campus back in 2018, the Kogi worship Aluna, which is a female creator, but they still operate within a male pecking order. Um, in the third paradigm, humans began to infuse the Godhead with what is called the law of gender and hermeticism. This is a recognition that the creator must contain both masculine and feminine energy, but they did it in a magical manner. The gods and goddesses they created range in temperament from our most glorious to our most loathsome and fearsome features. 
yet the highest gods were still male. So it would be inaccurate to call this third paradigm gender balance. Next came the fourth paradigm when the Abrahamic religions rediscovered monotheism. Judaism and Islam primarily use the allegory of light to describe the Godhead in their holy books. Christianity, however, embarked on a grave theosophical error. And rather than imagining the Godhead as a single entity comprised of both masculine and feminine energies, Jesus spoke only to his father. The result has been a relentless suppression of the divine feminine, and this has lasted for 2,000 years. I lovingly call this paradigm daddy deism. But this current uh, yet passing paradigm has achieved impressive economic and technological growth fueled by what the sages call creative energy. But we've also suffered from a woeful lack of feminine values, what mystics would call the wisdom energy. So Oracle's trickle-down deity theory is that your view of the Godhead necessarily defines how you operate in the world. And with the negative side effects of perceiving the Godhead as male, with a male error, or error in the case of Christianity, we've gotten the subjugation of women. So in some, at the dawn of the fifth spiritual paradigm, we know we've allowed the masculine energy to run amok. We know that our technology exceeds our capacity to wisely management or manage it. That's why if we truly want to shift the paradigm, we have got to learn the law of gender. All right, next slide. So let's go to the micro level for a moment and let's talk about ourselves. If you're listening to this broadcast, you likely understand that God is a unified force comprised of masculine and feminine energies. You also may have reached the blissful state of non-duality in your meditations or out in nature. So what is being depicted here is the Oracle Spectrum of Consciousness chart, which shows nine stages of human development. Um, I put it in the form of a triangle to sort of highlight that it is similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it's more like Maslow and steroids because this model takes the top part of Maslow's pyramid, self-actualization, and really digs in. So this newer model is better known as spiral dynamics, and it's been used for decades. In fact, I studied it in the 1980s in college. Um, this map helps us evaluate ourselves and our society, and it also helps us understand how close we are to the tipping point into the fifth spiritual paradigm. Um, if you want a deep dive, please read The Light. I spend a whole chapter on this, and you can map yourself on this chart. I also explain integral theory, which is the more evolved model that Ken Wilber, the Einstein of consciousness evolved. But for now, just realize that the earth plane is populated with a vast and varied level of human development. Everything from barbarians to Buddhas, quite frankly. Now in the book, I define a new human as those people who've reached stage six or second tier on the spectrum. These are people who have a world centric perspective and who value pluralism. New humans express compassion, reverence for Mother Earth, and new concepts of deity that merge science and spirituality. And here's the really good news. There are more new humans arriving on the planet every day. It is the fastest growing meme is that green one, level six. Um, and another way to look at a new human is to define them as someone who is consciously playing in the God game. And this is a grand achievement but it also comes with responsibilities 
as I was mentioning before. Um, so as new humans, it's our job to help old humans overcome their fear of the future and follow the light. Okay, next slide. So, Kath, there we go. So how do we do that? How do we help people move into the future without fear? Um, this is how Team Light can help. I am a fan of Hermeticism, which is a very old tradition, um, predates Egyptian uh, theology. And this is the model in the Hermetic text, the Kabbalion. If you'll notice, these laws are nested and they're holarchical. And the highest law is the law of mentalism. And that means that all is the mind of God. But if you look at the bottom, the simplest of the laws is the law of gender. And tragically, humans have yet to master even this one, as evidenced most recently by the reversal of Roe v. Wade. As the Hermetic text explains, gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. The masculine principle corresponds to the objective conscious mind. The feminine principle corresponds to the subjective or subconscious mind. The I represents the masculine aspect of being, the me, the feminine aspect of becoming. And for those of you who are old enough to remember the bestseller, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, you might want to read it again, because while it's quite dated by today's standards due to gender fluidity and, and you know, all, all of the, um, the woke issues is what the, what the right calls it. But in the book, I'll just summarize by saying that the Martians are logical, practical, and competitive, whereas the Venusians are intuitive, spiritual, and compassionate. And again, while these descriptions are dated by today's standards, the point is the Kabbalion validates this, that the creative energy is the masculine, the wisdom energy is the feminine, and each one of us contains both of these energies, every human being. Okay, next slide. So in my other preferred path, the Nasta Kabbalah, we see the law of gender more boldly express because the tree of life has both a masculine and a feminine pillar. And at the top, the, the God mind is the place of non-duality where these energies merge. Um, I studied with the Gnostic Bishop of North America. His name is Tal Malachi, and he explains it this way in his book, Gnosis of the Cosmic Christ. These two pillars represent the eternal play of opposites and dynamic interaction. Evil is imbalanced force, Severity and imbalance is cruelty and oppression, and mercy and imbalance is weakness that allows and facilitates great evil. True compassion is a dynamic balance of severity and mercy, which are the two pillars. So during the fourth paradigm, what humans did was we've been prizing this tree of knowledge, science and innovation over the tree of immortality, which is our purity and moral virtue. This result has created all sorts of ethical inconsistencies and spiritual disorientation as we stand at the dawn of the fifth paradigm. In the light, I also have a chapter called Entering the Void, and we don't have time to go into it, but I feel it's very important to have a working model of what's happening on the earth plane. Otherwise, how can we devise a path forward for team light? Um, so some of the theories I explore, the lingering lizard brain theory, and that's just about the slow pace of evolution, it's just taking us this long to get humane. 
or to, to become more humane. Um, there's a traumatic memory syndrome theory that we suffered a global catastrophe in the past, like the great flood, the fall of Atlantis, and that's been lingering in our collective consciousness and haunts us to this day. Then there's the alien astronaut theory that, and this is based on the Sumerian legends, which have persuasive evidence that ETs visited Earth in the past, they tweaked early hominids to create a slave caste, and that's what le has left us aching for more knowledge, but also subservient and not really independent yet as moral creatures. There's also the perpetual kindergarten theory that Earth is a prison planet, a place where naughty souls are banished or young souls start their journey. The matrix theory is really a twist on this, um, except that we're not real at all. We're simulated players in a virtual God game created by an alien race who beat us to artificial intelligence. And then there's the Gnostic interpretation, which is my interpretation that the ancient, this ancient tradition was describing a situation in which the earth plane has been dominated under a false, a sense of a false God that all these Godheads we've created really aren't God. And until we wake up to that and experience Gnosis, we're going to be locked here. Um, so again, I think we need to have a working hypothesis if we want to come together as team human and figure out how to progress ourselves and our planet. All right, next slide, please. So I use the term God game in the book to describe the inherent duality of the earth plane, as I've already mentioned, but also our yearning to merge with God in the ethereal plane. This I submit is a universal calling it's a primordial desire to go home. This yearning to return to the light is embedded in the evolutionary impulse. Consequently, both Team Light and Team Dark seek the same goal. The only difference, really, is how we play the God game. So let's define Team Light as those willing to play the God game by the rules of evolution. And by that, I mean playing fairly and trying to achieve a victory for everyone. Team Light plays the God game like Green Terra, the Bodhisattva who pledged to reincarnate until all sentient beings are liberated. Team Dark, on the other hand, wants to win the God game so badly, they will do anything. They fight the evolutionary impulse by lying, cheating, and even killing other players in their manic attempt to go home. So for Team Dark, the ends justify the means. But I believe there is a default mode of the universe that favors Team Light ever so slightly. Despite the inherent life-death-life cycle, the overall trajectory of the God game is toward greater truth, love, and light. As Martin Luther King said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And I just want to add, in the book, there's a chapter entitled Gandhi versus Hitler. It's a real deep dive into good versus evil. And it's in this chapter that I implore Team Light to learn the law of polarity. Um, in today's crazy post-truth world, it is very reasonable to ask, did Gandhi or Hitler leave the greater legacy? Um, and it's sad that the New Age teachings really gloss over the law of polarity. Um, many New Age adherents won't even talk about polarity. They view it as beneath them in some way. But it's important to know this law because, for example... How many times have we heard this, that fear is the opposite of love? 
No, it's not. And this is important because we cannot transmute what we don't understand. So we also can't access higher realms of the ethereal plane if we don't know these, these laws of the universe. So I'm going to stress again that Team Light really needs to master the law of polarity if we wish to shift the paradigm. Okay, next slide, please. So because the generals on Team Dark are so good at using the law of polarity, they have managed to collapse the spectrum of consciousness over the last 20, 30 years. We are going backward, people, from all the gains of the 20th century. As a result, it now appears unavoidable that the current paradigm shift will be just as ugly as the previous shifts, and possibly more so given the state of our technology. Currently, we're living through the tail end of a great cusp. This is the period of intense chaos that always precedes a major paradigm shift. And great cusps can last hundreds of years. And again, they're extremely dangerous. During the last one, um, it was kicked off by the crucifixion of Jesus. The Roman Empire collapsed and we were thrown into the Dark Ages. Now, there's only one force powerful enough to end a great cusp. And that's a new Godhead. Um, I truly believe that when the Godhead shifts, that's when we get a new paradigm. Um, so again, while Team Light is embracing the future, Team Dark is fearfully retreating. As a result, this God gap has emerged. And this is the most perilous point of this cycle. And this is the moment we find ourselves in today. So that's why the religious fundamentalism fundamentalists, it looks like end times. It genuinely looks that way to them. But for the us, for the, the new humans on the planet, we understand that we're going through this period of chaos en route to a paradigm shift. Um, and I just want to mention quickly that as a member of the evolutionary leaders, that we're working on this right now. And they're almost ready to launch the hollow movement. And they've named that in honor of physicist David Bohm, who inspired the merger of science and spirituality spirituality. Um, I also just want to say quickly that in the United States, the hollow movement has the potential to unlock the secret destiny of America. And this is a spellbinding prophecy that I update in the late and the new human. All right, next slide, please. Um, before I close, I want to mention our women of faith and fury campaign at the Oracle Institute. It's also being sponsored by our church Oracle temple. Um, our church is an active participant in the abortion network. In fact, just last week, an activist from Texas came to our peaceful little town to lobby our local government, and he also dropped off an ordinance to create an unborn sanctuary city here. This is a very startling development since Virginia is a purple state and our abortion statute still tracks the trimester schema in Roe v. Wade. Um, so, I really want to pump the Women of Faith of Fury campaign as a result, because now Virginia is under attack. Um, it's a First Amendment religious freedom argument we're using. Roe was decided under privacy grounds uh, under the 14th Amendment, a very different argument. So if you're a member of a progressive or a pagan church, and if you believe in a genderful or genderless deity, which, by the way, the Anglican church just um acknowledged like two weeks ago the church of england no more daddy deism for them um 
please contact me. And especially if you're a minister, please contact me because it's the ministers, it's the clergy who are bringing these suits around the nation for religious freedom. Um, so anyway, because the law of gender is so important and a key to the paradigm shift, we're all in on, on women's rights and reproductive freedom. And we've also started an abortion fund to help women in our neighboring states. Um, we're, we're, I'm in Appalachia. We're surrounded by states where they've already banned abortion or it's heavily restricted. So please reach out if this campaign is hitting you to your core, um, as it is mine. All right. Last slide, Kathy, please. So I just want to close by emphasizing that um, this trilogy really is a second tier roadmap for new humans to access the truth, share the love and unify with the light. Um, and again, the hollow movement also provides team light with a real plan to shift the paradigm. This plan includes number one, updating the Godhead, number two, ending the great cusp and number three, closing this God gap. So our goal is to win the God game for everyone for all of Team Human, and it's been really a pleasure to, to do this presentation today. Thank you. Om Jai. Okay, so I have tons of questions, <laughs> <laughs> Professor. <laughs> I feel like I'm in class, and, and uh, rightly so. So your perspective is that there's a new Godhead that society, I mean, God is. It's more a uh, new Godhead needs to be recognized. Is that what you mean? Yes. I mean, yes, that is what I mean. Most of the planet is still worshiping a male deity. Right. Okay. Even in Islam, where it's forbidden to have idols, same thing with Judaism, forbidden to have idols. And again, the holy books use the allegory of light. We know that the vibration of those religions is still patriarchal. Right. So to move into the next paradigm, we're going to have to get the Godhead in balance. We're going to have to get enough humans acknowledging that first off, God isn't human. So I could be a man or a woman. But secondly, that to the extent you need to personify, we should be, we should be viewing the Godhead as a genderful or a genderless entity. So I don't think, and we're on the cusp of that, right? And it's no coincidence that we're going through all this gender fluidity, um, I won't call it chaos per se, but it's evidence to me that people are now recognizing, wait, I've got both masculine and feminine in me. And and for whatever reason, they, they then don't want to identify with their body. And that's a different issue than people who are sexually oriented towards same-sex engagement. But I'm talking about the people who like me, that's one reason why I shave my head. I'm not making fun at all. I mean, that is why I shaved my head when I turned 60. I was like, I really want to play in this androgynous space. And many, many people are playing in that space as well. So that's evidence that yes, the Godhead is absolutely shifting. Okay. And so um, the, the books take you on a journey through, through a um, awareness. So they change your perspective, right? I, I haven't gotten to read them yet. So could you talk a little bit about that journey again, so that um, because you went over it pretty quickly. And actually, because I know Ken Wilber, 
and I know a little bit about spiral dynamics, um, but because uh, Integrals was here, um, started and funded by Jeff Salzman originally, um, and who I went to college with. So, oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> you went to college with Jeff. Yeah, we used to play bridge with I him. I love him. Yeah. Oh, what a sweetheart. Yeah. What a nice man. But um, anyway, there's a lot of amazing people in this region. But what I guess I, I want to go back to that I think that each group is now looking to make sense of it all. And it sounds like your progression and your collation of the um, the past cultures and the, the taking the best knowledge from the past and putting making it accessible and yeah. um, coherent will save people a lot of time from watching a hundred videos and reading reading a hundred books or or um, or actually getting stuck in the the journey. So could you talk a little bit more about the journey through your books? And, and how you see that as helping my audience, um, how they could actually uh, quicken. And, and the reason why I'm asking this is um, my daughter is um, very religious. And she had one at one point said, Mom, what book should I read to understand what you believe? And I never gave her one <laughs> because I couldn't figure out. I mean, somebody says, oh, give her conversations with God. And I was like, no, that's not quite it. That's mm -hmm. not quite it. So so could that's why I'm asking is that there's going to be people that may be curious, that may see the brilliance and the delight of the people that are um, co-creating with, with the new Godhead at a different level and want to take that journey, but they don't quite understand it. So could you, you share a little bit about your... A trilogy, and I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Three, so okay. So the truth again is about our past, right. and I do the five primary religions: so Hinduism, Judaism, Buddhism, Christianity, Islam. And I actually give each one of those religions a new millennium grade point average to see how they're faring with twenty-first century values. Oh, and spoiler alert: they're all failing except Buddhism. Um, so in that book, the point is to build a new tower of truth. You know, there's the famous story in the, in the old Testament, the tower of Babel, uh -huh. the God I believe in this God knew one day we would be interconnected to the extent that we are, which through the internet means all information is available to us uh -huh. and all wisdom traditions are available to us. So in order to build this tower of truth, First off, we need to understand what each what each religion success successively brought. They are not all saying the same thing. That's another new age statement. All the religions are no, they're not. They're absolutely not saying the same thing. Every time an avatar came, a prophet came, we learned more about God. And unfortunately, the last messenger's um, teachings, Jesus, not the last messenger, but in the case of Christianity, uh, his teachings were totally scrambled. So in the truth, in the first book, I spent a lot of time on the Gnostic Gospels, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which again, um, for fundamentalists who say, you know, the Bible was written, it's inerrant. Um, 
by the way, a bunch of Catholic guys decided which gospels would be included. Right. But they like to say that it's the word of God. Well, to me, it is nothing other than divine intervention that in 1948, we found the Gnostic gospels and the Dead Sea Scrolls like a couple of years afterward. And the Catholic church purposely minimized these texts. And what we see, particularly particularly in the Gospel of Thomas, which many historians date as the oldest gospel, uh, we see a totally different Jesus, completely different. He's talking, he's talking about Buddhism and he's talking about uh, duality a lot. And he's talking about how to reach God is to overcome duality. And anyway, we don't have time for to go into a deep discussion on that. But the point is, unless we know our history, I really do believe those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. So I'm going to highly recommend the truth about the five primary religions for those who are still enmeshed in one, um, but ready to move on. And I do foresee a day where these religions are in the history books, just like Zeus and Hera. We, were, we are going to get over all five of these now ancient religions. We just don't have anything to replace it with yet. That's the scary part. And that's what scares um, Christians in the United States who are, who are pumping the Christian nationalist movement. Um, all right, so that's the truth. And The Love is actually an anthology written by just amazing luminaries, um, assistance from Archbishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu and Maya Angelou. Uh, Bill McKibben is there. All sorts of amazing people contributed this anthology. And the point of it is, because we're in this great cusp, because there is no unifying theosophy on the horizon, that doesn't mean we double down in the old religions. It means we need to be brave enough to keep moving through this spiritual and socioeconomic chaos, all the, all the crises that attend a paradigm shift. So the love is actually exceedingly inspirational for those who are ready to move beyond the five ancient religions. And then again, the light is the last book and it is about the future. And it's a very, um, sophisticated yet also completely accessible study of where we're headed. Um, and I would encourage everyone listening to read The Light and the New Human. We need to be honest about the reality on the ground. We need to come together. And as I mentioned earlier, those who are fighting the evolutionary impulse, they are incredibly organized. They love to run for office. <laughs> you know, they love to tell other people what to do. Um, and they have a stranglehold on the levers of power. They absolutely do. And this next election is, quite frankly, terrifying. This country cannot withstand four more years of Donald Trump if, right. he, if he's elected again. So it's time for everyone to become active players in the God game. No more sitting on the sidelines. No more just burning your incense and meditating on your crystal. That's fine too, but it is time to come together. And whatever your area of passion is, expertise, your skill. I say in the book, if you've touched bliss even once in meditation, you are deputized <laughs> to be a spokesperson for the fifth spiritual paradigm. And, you know, I don't want, I get really frustrated when friends of mine say, oh, I don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations with my neighbors who believe this. We have got to have these uncomfortable conversations. 
And we have to do it lovingly. And we have to do it with compassion. And if you understand the spectrum of consciousness, you're also going to know how to talk to people who are still enmeshed in these old religions. So and that's a critical chapter in The Light and the New Human because we all have relatives who don't get us, right? We all have, <laughs> some people have kids who don't get yep. where we're headed. Yep. And um, having the right vocabulary with which to approach those who are still locked in these old belief systems is critical or, or we can't communicate. Well, I think the truth is what's coming out. I mean, if you, if you, uh, if you saw it from a higher perspective, this period that we're going through is unveiling the the falsehoods and the, um, oh, what do I want to say, the dream that may have been created and, and waking up to the truth and embodying our souls. I, I, I'm a big component of soul body fusion because I think a lot of the people that are um, enlightened, they go out, they go out of their body and they're um, that's why they're not in action here. But I do have a question about active being an activist about, because I consider what you're doing um, participating at a high level in, in, um, in the wave of truth. Um, how, how do you answer people that say whatever you resist persists or that being active is causing the polarity or, or That's a good how, question. How, how, do, how do you deal with that? I'm really glad you raised that. First off, that's bullshit. Okay. <laughs> okay. What you resist, you change. All of our heroes resisted the evils of their day. That's why we know who they are. And by the way, most of them died in the cause, right? Jesus, Gandhi, Martin Luther King. Now, how you resist is another matter entirely. Okay. Okay, that's another matter entirely. But point number one, of course, resist. Of course. If you see evil, you resist it. All right, so how do you do that? Back to the hermetic laws. If you understand those laws and they're nested. Um, and I don't know if you can pull up that slide easily. Yeah, again, I, can. I, don't I think it's worth looking at again. Okay. Yeah, it's I'm so visual. I appreciate these. Slides it's a really a good. Yeah, I made that image for the book. And it's really important because, okay, so we've talked about the law of gender. The second law up is cause and effect. Karma, right? What goes around comes around. Um, the third law is the one that so here we get into ones that the new age community feels comfortable with. So they're comfortable with cause and effect. They're comfortable talking about rhythm. And those are the cycles. Those are the cycles. That's understanding how the pendulum swings. And most of us understand what, you know, what a trend is. And if you're a master at these laws, this is, this is the first level at which you can intervene and resist effectively by studying the pattern, studying the trend, understanding what's going on and intervening in a healthy manner. Polarity though, is the law that is just being completely ignored by the new age movement. So it's a step up from rhythm. It's an understanding that these polarities are part of the earth plane. They're not going to go away. I mean, they're just not. So 
dark and light, good and bad, up and down, hot and cold, fear and courage, by the way, on that poll, not fear and love, and love and hate are on the same poll. So if you become a master of polarity, again, if you know how to approach the problem at hand, you can go in and try to get that pendulum to start seeking center. Okay. I actually believe we're beyond that now because we're in a great cusp. I don't think it's going to be possible for the red and blue states, for instance, to come to agreement on, let's pick women's rights, abortion. In extreme situations like that, then you have to go to the next law, which is the law of vibration. And the New Age movement loves talking about the law, the law of vibration, but they've skipped over polarity. And that's why a lot of it is just New Age nonsense. When you read about, you know, just vibrate yourself out of this. And, you know, there are just so many teachers out there who are teaching Magic 101. Um, you know, the secret was so, was so elementary level, for instance. Right. All right, so vibration is a more advanced law um, and it trumps as you go up. If you know these successive laws you're, and you're a master at them, you can actually trump an emergency situation at a lower level of vibration. And then correspondence is the famous as above, so below. Um, and that then gets us into what's going on in the ethereal plane. Like what's going on up there? If we're a reflection of it, that is heavy stuff right. to contemplate. That's why I, I mentioned briefly having a working theory of the earth plane because correspondence is absolutely true. What's happening here is happening in other dimensions. Um, and I don't mean just like ETs on other, you know, solar systems. I mean, on other dimensions. And then of course the top one is the law of mentalism, which is we're all part of either the mind of God, the thought form of God, some people are pantheists and think God exploded and God's in everything from, you know, a candle to the tree. Um, we can, we can, and that's a very sophisticated discussion too. What is the law of mentalism? But we're stuck right now in this great cusp of polarity. Right, right. And okay. your question was whether to resist. The answer is yes. And the issue is how, how right. to do it without doing harm, how to do it while helping others open up to new ideas and beliefs. That's the trick. Okay. Where does heart come for all it? Where does it in mentalism? I, I still, um, st I'm just curious because all I, right, I, so this is another new age thing. Okay. Sorry. I'm all right. So, no, it's okay. It's okay. God. Okay. How you view, you view God is really more a matter of where you fall on the spectrum of consciousness. So Gandhi said, God is truth. Right. Okay. That's stage seven on the spectrum. When you just like, you want to pierce the mystery of the universe and it's a, it's a more intellectual approach and it's definitely a karmic path. I mean, it's, it's a real yogic path. So the new age community likes to say God is love, All right? That is really a stage six human. And, um, it's when you leave all the orthodoxy, you've dropped it. You're over the five primary religions and it's sort of a plateau and it's a it's a very important plateau and that's where most of the nuns are n-o-n-e-s the people who have checked out of religion it's also where most millennials are it's where most of the kids are so everybody loves let me just let me just say wherever you are on the spectrum of consciousness you love and wilbur famously said even nazis loved 
everybody loves, okay? Everybody has fear. Everybody experiences those sorts of emotions and attachments. But to love at the second tier, which is stage eight, is exceedingly advanced. And that's what now we're talking about unconditional love. Right. True unconditional love. And, um, you know, maybe 1% of the planet is there. <laughs> well, right. They, they've been saying that for a long time. I, I did a, a project for Humanities Team where I did their marketing plan back in 20, I want to say it was 2010, 2011. And they're still using it. It's it, it really was an amazing project with um, people from all over the world. And um, back then they used a French study that said 1% of people of the world's population was conscious. So back then, that was 2010, yeah. 2011. So I, I'm assuming we've increased that. I don't know how you gauge that. How would you even? Well, the bottom half of the spiral is collapsing. So the old fashioned stage four nationalist fundamentalist is turning into a white supremacist and dropping oh, wow. back to a stage three human. I mean, the whole spiral is collapsing. It's, the theory though, is that it, once you reach second tier, your eyes are too open to regress. Um, and that's been my experience with, with friends and, and my heroes. Um, back to this issue of love though, really fast. The stage above that, beyond truth, beyond love, again, is this concept of the light. It's the I am perspective. It's okay. when the triple Godhead, you know, the, the true triple Godhead, according to Ken Wilbur, is thou art, right? I'm separate from you, God. Thou art. It is, which is sort of the scientific approach, and I am, which is the Eastern approach. So at the highest level of accomplishment, when you read about the mystics and the acknowledged mystics, the people who really made it, right? Like Yogananda or mm -hmm. Teresa of Avila is one of my favorite mystics. They're all talking the same language. They're all in the light and they've all reached, it's beyond love. It's everything. It's everything. Right. And it's awareness of everything, which means you also understand the context in which what we would call evil exists and its function. But the new age understanding of that is, is been, is just been so um, it's so watered down. It's so different than what the mystics are speaking about. So while we can read these books and go, Oh, okay. I understand this concept to actually integrate. It takes a lot of hard work, a lot of practice. And a lot of the new age community isn't willing to put the work in. Well, that's why I'm, I've been fascinated with the near death experiencers because a lot of them are capable of, um, because they touch the other side, yes. they're capable of expressing the mystical experience. And um, they're, they're saying that the tipping point of us becoming more conscious is that so many people have been resuscitated and have experienced the other side, but may not remember. And that at some point there may mm -hmm. be a tipping point, which activates people for the past 40 years that have been, been um, resuscitated and they all remember their, their experience that there's, they're out of the, um, the, the religion paradigm. So 
I could I could actually give you I, um, that. I wanna I wanna distinguish between some of the fantasy thinking out there, which okay. was huge, right? On December 21st, 2012, there was gonna be what New Agers thought was gonna be a reverse rapture. All right, so that's that's ridiculous. Okay. Evolution doesn't work that way. It's yeah. gonna be slow and it's gonna be painful. Now, the near-death experiencers, that's a real phenomenon. And also, you know, there are hallucinogenic drugs that can also put you into the same state of touching the unified field. That's real. Um, however, there's also another new age myth out there that everyone sees the same thing during a near-death experience. And it's not true. Yeah, yeah. you know that. Yeah. It is not true. You tend to see what you expect to see which right. is the same thing that happens when we have a peak experience. People have peak experiences at every stage on the spectrum. So that fundamentalist who's, you know, speaking in tongues, he's blissing out. He's blissing out. And he might, he might even reach some like corner of non-duality and, and a unity consciousness, or he's good. He absolutely thinks he is. The point is when you return, when you come out of the altered state, you're going to interpret your experience from from your stage. So there's a big difference, and I go into this in the book, between stages and states. Um, your set point is your stage, your everyday wake up, how you view the world. Altered states can occur at any one of those stages, and there are multiple multiple dimensions to these altered states. So it's a pretty interesting patchwork of humans out there. Right. I mean, I make right. the joke in the book, a dog is a dog is a dog, essentially. You know, some breeds are maybe a little smarter or more loyal or whatever. But you, it's, it's sensible to to group dogs as one homo homogenous group. Not so with humans. Interesting. We're so varied. That's why I repeat a couple of times in the book. We've got everything walking around from barbarians to Buddhas on this planet right now. And so how do we bring people together when the cutting edge of consciousness is is so advanced you know a few thousand years ago a human was a human was a human we were all in survival mode mm -hmm. you know we all had some religion we were you know inoculated with from birth and we all believe the same stuff that is just not the case so this is an incredibly dangerous paradigm shift there's no guarantee that we're going to come out on the other side in a better paradigm again recall what happened after the last paradigm shift the roman empire collapsed right christendom went into the dark ages thank god the muslims you know kept the best of science and mathematics i mean that would have all been lost right right well i can, i always call this a time period we're in the dark ages and that we're going to the renaissance and i i've been it, it sounds like you're not uh, as uh, enthusiastic or hopeful <laughs> as oh, I am. Oh, no, no, no. I am very hopeful. Oh, good. Okay. I am a very positive player in the God game. Okay. I'm also, though, a realist. And because I've studied history and religious history even more, I'm fully aware that this, we ain't seen nothing yet, Kathy. We ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, this old paradigm will fight to the death to maintain itself. Right. And when you take into account that the power positions in the world are filled with what I call in the book, the old humans, mm -hmm. people like Putin, 
I mean, who if, if you who would have thought that in the 21st century, Russia would invade another country in this barbaric fashion? So when we've got dictators running major chunks of the earth plane, this is a very dangerous period. Right. And right. so we got to be realistic, too. So we need to be smart. We need to be wise. And that's sort of how I end the light in the new human is we need to get on the same you know, the same page and really have a movement like Gandhi led a movement. Martin Luther King led a movement. We need a movement. Right. I don't, right. Otherwise it's not good enough. Okay. Okay. Right? Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I hope everyone will uh, be curious and, and go to the Oracle Institute and, um, and buy these books and start um, small groups. Uh, or do you have like reading groups of people that that use the books? And do you do we it? Do, we do on campus. And if there's enough interest, I, we would start one up virtually. Absolutely. Oh, that we would be done it in the past. And there is a study guide for the truth, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I think that's what um, we, we need the um, insight to to probably digest it otherwise it's just words rather than con the the concepts are big and they may be foreign to a lot of these people but i just like you said you're doing the evolutionary leaders i do conscious business zone because i think the business um models if, if they change they could lead this new new consciousness yes. to be um where where there is a possibility of serving at a really high level um serving and and being profitable which makes it sustainable so so all of it is all perfect well thank you so much laura do you uh the, is the best way to reach you is to go to the website yes um we've got we actually have two websites we have the oracle oracle institute website which is the oracleinstitute.org and then we have a uh, peacepentagon.net website, which is where we do more of our activism work. Okay. Okay. So, well, we'll have to come back and talk, do a thing on the Peace Pentagon. Okay. Okay. We'll do that. that. We'll do that sometime this year, um, because I think that, that people are starting to get curious. They realize that what um, the programs that we've been indoctrinated with um, won't serve us in the future. And we're they're looking, they're looking. So that curious mind is is the starting point to to being inspired to show up as uh, as who you really are. And we need you all, right? We need everybody. We need all hands on deck. We are <laughs> the ones we've been waiting for. All of that is true. Yeah. Um, and we need to get a little better organized. Yep. Yep. And I have no doubt we can do this if we come together. Yes. Okay. Well, um, well uh, please, everyone, please go to Laura's sites and um, check them out. And uh, this conversation will continue, I'm sure, because we're at the tipping point where we do need to look at all of the imbalances and all of the things that aren't created in love and in harmony that um also aren't true <laughs> um they they need to go so yeah so thank you laura 
Oh, thank you so much, Kathy. It's been it's been a joy and an honor to be here. Oh, my mine. So yeah, and I think off off site off uh, camera we can talk a lot. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> got to end the show now. Thank you. Thank please, you. everybody, please share this.